Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Prayer is the cure for all worry, which is basically what both the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter are saying. In other words, if we pray about everything, cast on the Lord everything, and thank God for anything, the effect will be that we will then worry about no thing. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. In light of COVID-19, Pastor J.D. is sharing some special messages. What are you worried about today? Did you know that worry causes stress, which can lead to many health problems? In today's message, Pastor J.D. will remind you that God loves you so much that He doesn't want you to worry or be anxious about anything, but instead, He wants you to trust Him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the Inspired Truth podcast or download the Inspired Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Philippians chapter 4 as he begins his message, Don't Worry. I want to talk with you about worry, specifically as it relates to both the biblical answer to and cure for both worry and anxiety. I know I've shared in the past, on many occasions actually, about my own proclivity in this area concerning worry and how God has done a powerful work in my life over the years. And I would be disingenuous at best, dishonest at worst, were I not to confess that while I have victory in this area, there are those times that I still struggle with both worry and fear. But now I know what to do. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians, the fourth chapter. I want to read verses 6 through 8. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, and he says, verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, verse 8, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. This passage in Philippians has actually been, for me over the years, 
that which has really been the way that I've been able to have the victory in this area of worry and anxiety. What I'm hoping to do in our time together is first address the seriousness of worry, then provide the biblical cure for worry. And here's why. Left unchecked, worry has the propensity to cause serious damage to our health, especially at a time of crisis like that which we are in at this time. Worry causes stress, which in turn damages our immune system, digestive system, our heart, and even our mental health. I have a library, uh, a book in my library, and uh, took it off the shelf, blew the dust off it, and reread it again recently. It's the hidden link between adrenaline and stress by Dr. Archibald Hart. And in it, he summarizes the effects of stress and anxiety and worry on various parts of the body, starting with the brain. Generalized panic and anxiety and migraine headaches. The heart, rapid heartbeat, skipped beats, raised blood pressure, thumping and mid-sternum mild pain. Even as I'm reading this, I, my heart's starting to beat a little bit faster. Dizziness and lightheadedness from high blood pressure and palpitations. The stomach and intestines. This is the effect of anxiety and worry and stress. General gastric distress, feelings of nausea, acid stomach and heartburn, some forms of colitis, indigestion, and stomach churning. I would submit that one of the main reasons we're commanded not to worry, and by the way, we are commanded not to worry. In fact, when Paul writes this, it's in the double negative, it is actually a command. Do not worry. And it carries with it the idea of do not worry, do not worry about a single thing. That's how emphatic it is. And there's a reason why. It's the why behind the what when it comes to anxiety and worry. And I truly believe, and I've experienced in my own life, that one of the main reasons we're commanded not to worry or be given over to anxiety is because of the damage that it does to us emotionally and physically and psychologically and mentally and even spiritually. God loves us so much. He doesn't want us to needlessly suffer the painful consequences that will always ensue. And this is why we have the biblical prescription 
for the worry and anxiety problem. First Peter 5, 7. The Apostle Peter writes, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. This carries with it the idea of you're, you're carrying this, this heavy weight that is weighing you down. It's weighing heavy on your heart. You can't stop thinking about it, can't stop worrying about it. Peter says, roll it off, cast it off, and give it to Him. Why? Because He cares for you. He loves you so much. Think about it as a parent in the earthly arena. How how is it for us when we see our children carrying a heavy weight? And I mean, it, 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 it breaks our hearts to see our children struggle and sad or anxious or worried or depressed. It's been said that a parent is only as happy as their saddest child. And that is so true. How much more for our Heavenly Father? You'll forgive me for what may seem like an oversimplification, but prayer is the cure for all worry, which is basically what both the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter are saying. In other words, if we pray about everything, cast on the Lord everything, and thank God for anything, the effect will be that we will then worry about nothing, pray about everything, thank God for anything, and you will worry about nothing. God, as only He can, will replace the anxiety with a peace. It's the peace of God from the God of peace, Paul says. He replaces it with a peace that surpasses human comprehension. And as one translation renders it, it keeps our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Many years ago, I heard a story about, in the pioneer days of aviation, this pilot who was making a flight around the world. After he had gone for some two hours from his last landing field, he heard a noise in his plane which he recognized as the gnawing of a rat. He realized that while his plane had been on the ground, a rat had gotten in. And for all he knew, the rat could be gnawing through a vital cable or control of the plane. He was both concerned and anxious, and rightfully so. At first, he didn't know what to do. It was two hours back to the landing field from which he had taken off, and more than two hours to the next field ahead. Then he remembered that a rat is a rodent. It is not made for the heights. 
It is made to live on the ground and even under the ground. So the pilot began to climb. He went up a thousand feet, then another thousand, and another, until he was more than 20,000 feet up, and the gnawing ceased. The rat was dead. It could not survive in the atmosphere of those heights. More than two hours later, the pilot brought the plane safely to the next landing, and sure enough, what did he find but a dead rat. You probably already know where I'm going with this, but here's the takeaway from this. Kill the rats of worry before the rats of worry kill you. How? By taking all your care into the atmosphere of prayer where the rats of worry cannot survive. It's important to understand, we talked about this at length last week, what prayer is and what prayer is not, perhaps better said. What is prayer? Prayer is simply talking to the Lord. That's what prayer is. We talk to God, and He talks back to us too. He speaks to us through His Word. I, it's, a, it's like a, a telephone. When we talk into our phones, that's prayer. There's also an earphone, an earpiece on that telephone, on that cell phone, and that's where we hear, and that's God speaking to us. Prayer isn't so much a monologue as much as it is a dialogue. It's that constant conscious communion with the Lord where you're continually, constantly throughout the day, just talking to the Lord, bringing everything to Him, petitioning the throne with specific requests. And not only specific requests, but a thankful heart and an attitude of gratitude. And this is why the enemy will do everything and stop at nothing to keep a Christian from praying. And here's why. He knows that prayer is the deciding factor. I heard a, another great illustration many years ago. It's like you're in a, a fight. You have two opponents. And that fight, for the most part, is pretty much even. The playing field, as it were, is pretty much level. Until one of them pulls out a knife. Now, that changes everything. Why? Because that knife is the deciding factor. And so the opponent is now focused on that knife and getting that knife out of the opponent's hands. Why? Because he knows that knife is the deciding factor. It's the knife of prayer. Prayer is the deciding factor, and the enemy will do everything he can to dislodge the knife of prayer from the life of a Christian. Prayer changes the prayer. It's not a play on words. 
We, we say prayer changes things. Well, actually, prayer changes the prayer, the one who prays vis-a-vis the transformation that takes place within us. When we make our requests known unto God, this is what God intended. This is how God wired us, if I can say it that way. And this is why it is, and it's so interesting to me. I'm always sort of uh, amused (laughs) when there's some secular research that says that there are physical and emotional and mental benefits to some form of meditation. I'm like, that's in the Bible. It's a physiological, neurological change that takes place. And it's God-given. And that's the way God made us. And that's why it is that when we pray, there's a peace, there's a calm, the peace of God from the God of peace. Now, it's not that we inform God when we pray. Instead, we are conformed to God when we pray. That's not to say that there's anything wrong with just pouring your heart out to the Lord. I mean, it's not that he doesn't know. (laughs) You know, sometimes we pray as if uh, God didn't know what's happened. And so we say, Lord, you know, and and it's, it's like the Lord knew. And sometimes it's okay to just pour your heart out and, and uh, cry out unto the Lord. When we pray, we view our crisis through the lens of our God, instead of viewing our God through the lens of our crisis. I have to confess very openly that there have been times where this crisis that we're in has got the best of me, and I've needed a sort of a tug as it were, from the Holy Spirit, that still small voice of the Holy Spirit, and that much needed reminder that I'm focused too much on what's going on, and I need to redirect my focus. Because you see, what happens is, if we view our God through the lens of our crisis, our crisis grows and our God becomes small. And conversely, when we view our crisis through the lens of our God, then our crisis becomes small and our God becomes big. In addition to prayer changing how we see our situation, prayer also has the effect of reminding us of situations in the past. This is what I think Paul meant about thanking God for anything you can think of. In fact, the word thank comes from the word think. And that's again by design, if I can say it that way, because it's this process of thinking back to all those times when you were in a crisis, when you were in this situation and you were greatly stressed, very anxious, very worried, 
And God, as only He can, and is always faithful to do, delivered you. And (laughs) I think sometimes the best thing you can do is just think about those times in the past when God just, sometimes it was the 11th hour, but He was always faithful to deliver you and thank Him for those times in the past and superimpose that to the situation and the crisis in the present. I think of David recalling how God had delivered him in the past from a lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be no problem. Why? Because of what God did in the past. I, I always think about that scene when David, very young at the time by the way, shows up there on the battlefield. His dad actually sends him, because three of his older brothers, the oldest of which was Eliab, and that was a very interesting relationship. I'm convinced that Eliab had bitterness and resentment in his heart towards his youngest brother. He was the youngest of eight sons, because he was the one that was anointed to be king of Israel. And this went against everything in that culture, in that day, and in that time. See, it was always the firstborn son. He was the heir apparent. He was a shoe-in, certainly, when Samuel came to the house of David, or the house of Jesse. Eliab <laughs> would be the one that would be anointed, but it wasn't. So here David shows up on the battlefield, and three of his brothers, Eliab is there, and it's Eliab who says to David, what are you doing here? Well, dad sent me. (laughs) Go get back home, you little runt. I mean, he's so derogatory and negative, and he's just condescending. And (laughs) I would have loved to have been a fly on a camel to hear this exchange, but as David is there, he hears only one time this uncircumcised Philistine blaspheme the name of his God, and that's not okay. All he had to do was hear it one time. Hear his brothers and the army of Israel, and worse yet, the king of Israel, Saul, had been hearing it for 40 days and 40 nights. And David hears it one time. And he says, this is not okay. Let me go fight him. Thanks for joining Pastor J.D. today on In Spirit and Truth. We know that this time in our nation is uncertain, but one thing remains steadfast. God is in control. We encourage you to spend time during this season in the Word, in prayer, and in the presence of God. As with many churches across our nation, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe is holding services online only. We would still love to worship with you virtually, so please join Pastor JD at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to be notified when each week's service is made available. 
Pastor J.D. will continue to share his Mideast prophecy updates as well. In these, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them with prophecies found in the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. You'll find these on YouTube or on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. We also know how essential prayer is during this time, and we want you to know we're constantly lifting our listeners up to the Lord. Is there anything specific we can be praying for you about? If so, send an email to us at office at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's office at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Would you do the same for us, please? Keep Pastor J.D. and our church staff in your prayers, asking the Lord to guide us as we navigate this new and unexpected time in history. And of course, please keep our nation and our leaders in your prayers too, as well as all those affected by this virus. Thank you for praying, and thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth. <laughs> 